Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would say that it 
might have been a whale. I mean, it, this thing was huge. At least 20 foot, and thickness was the size of a, I don't know, almost the size of a Volkswagen Beetle for thickness. I mean, this thing was massive, whatever it was. It wasn't a tree. It wasn't anything like that because it was intelligent. And this is why I know it was intelligent. I have a small dock and the people across from me have a large dock. Whatever this thing was, knew that like it could sense that those things were there and it shifted and like pivoted so that it could fit between them and not hit it. It wasn't a boat. It, it, it was it was the creepiest thing ever. And I've seen this thing a couple times before that, and I just thought it was the trick of the eye or maybe I'd had one too many martinis. But no, this thing's out there, and there's actually stories about it, which I don't know the whole, like, I don't know if I believe the story about, if you look it up in Google, the Harrington monster, it says it's a deal with the pig's head. I didn't see that. I saw no head. Uh, I didn't see anything like that. But something's out there, and I still have no idea what it, what it is. Thanks, guys, and super-duper uh, big shout-out to all the Creepazoids that follow you, and hopefully we all keep it creepy. Bye. Thank you, Lydia. Now, long-time listeners know I enjoy a good water monster story, and I don't get too many of them here on the show either, which is a real bummer. But when they do come in, they're a lot of fun. Especially when those monsters are new to us. Like this one was to me. So the Lake Harrington monster. Of course, I had to look this one up. And who better to share the full tale than a local news station? The following is courtesy of WLEX, NBC News 18, out of Lexington. A tall tale to digest for those who haven't heard of the monster. I told you, every monster I know is my grandson. It's always been a mystery. Freddie York has heard the rumors. They swore that they seen fish down there being able to swallow man whole. They wouldn't go back down. Around these parts, it's hard to find people who claim to have seen the Harrington Lake monster. Well, one guy told me by phone way back when he and his buddies, they were drinking out on the water. They thought they saw something about 25 feet long rolled up like a big snake. The Louisville Courier-Journal wrote about the monster back in the 70s using the account of the late UK professor Lawrence Thompson. The classics professor who had a house on the lake said it looked like a shy monster with a pig-like snout and a curly tail. Now when I was a kid, my grandfather was the chief of police in our tiny little town. And for some reason I can't remember, he hired divers to visit our local reservoir. Now they were looking for a missing car, or missing person or something. Anyway, the story that my dad tells me, because I was too young to remember any of this, but it goes that the divers resurfaced mere moments after initially descending, panic-stricken, fear in their eyes, fighting to reach the shoreline. When my grandfather reached them and asked what the issue was, they simply said, and this is the quote the best I can remember it. There are catfish down there the size of Volkswagen beetles. Now I've heard that phrase a lot over the years. Either these fish are shaped like a beetle, or the Volkswagen bug is a standard unit of measurement in regards to enormous fish. I suppose either could be possible. But I'd fished that reservoir my entire childhood, and I hardly ever caught a catfish, let alone a monster one. So I have my doubts about that story. And I will say that my grandpa's always been known to tell tall tales. But what about the other people that have claimed to see something in Harrington Lake? People that seem to be describing the exact same thing Lydia claimed to have witnessed. And I'm not an animal expert per se, 
but I do have a healthy interest in the animal kingdom. And that side-to-side swimming motion that Lydia described reminds me of three different known creatures, all of which grow to the size she estimated. Allow me to demonstrate. Now my first thought is exactly what the reports sound like. A massive snake. A python comes to mind. They can reach lengths of 20 plus feet, and they can be found in abundance in parts of Florida as an invasive species. Is it possible that one possibly migrated that far north? Or more likely, someone released a pet that's miraculously survived for years? Now the next culprit is the American alligator. The record length is 19 feet. It can swim top water with its tail swinging from side to side, just like Lydia suggested. And, believe it or not, on occasion, they can be found in the bluegrass state. A tri-state couple was out on Kentucky Lake when this alligator was found. Just by looking at the photos, the alligator looks to be a bit over three feet long. Kentucky Fish and Wildlife officials say it was possibly hit in the head with a boat propeller. We're told it wasn't alive when officers arrived, but this alligator was found near the Kentucky Dam Marina. Kentucky law doesn't allow for the transport or possession of alligators, but sometimes people do keep them as pets. Officials say they can't live in water colder than 40 degrees, so if an alligator is released into the wild in our area, it will likely die. Now that clip on behalf of WFIE News 14 out of Evansville, Indiana. And he said likely not to survive. Not that it couldn't survive. There were some viral images a couple years ago showing how alligators survive a cold snap. They suspend their noses just above the waterline and freeze into place, even as ice develops around them. Check out the show notes for an example, but just picture a bunch of alligator snouts barely poking out of an ice-covered pond. In my opinion, making that theory possible albeit probably unlikely. And that leaves us with one final monster candidate. After all, the lake is man-made and only about 100 years old, so chances are good that it's not some new undiscovered species. But it can be a new species to that area. For example, a shark. Now we've already established on past episodes that bull sharks can survive long periods of time in fresh water. They've even been caught in the Mississippi River, in Alton, Illinois, specifically, just north of St. Louis. But, according to Kentucky Fish and Wildlife, sharks do not exist in the state presently. But that didn't stop some rumors from floating around the past 10 to 15 years about sharks being caught in several Kentucky lakes forcing the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources to release the following statement back in 2017. Please share fake news about lakes in Kentucky. Unfortunately, on social media sites, people are posting false info such as Kentucky Lake Bull Shark Caught. Many of these sites are entertainment with user-generated content. We post important fish and wildlife news here. Please confirm the sources of quote-unquote news before believing or sharing. Thank you. Well, I suppose that's good practice all around. Now, I could not find any confirmed shark encounters in Kentucky. But I did find this story from nearby Tennessee. I suppose it's proof that anything is possible. Especially with the help of human beings. Now, this clip is property of WHNT, CBS News 19, out of Huntsville, Alabama. Yesterday, we had a call, came to our district office. They found a shark. This is not exactly what you want to see as you're climbing in for a swim in the Tennessee River. We were kind of a little skeptical at the time. But when Wildlife Conservation Officer Jay Lowry came out to Toluca Landing Tuesday... Sure enough, there is a three-foot shark. 
Tom Demas is the curator of fishes at the Tennessee Aquarium. It looks a little bit like a spiny dogfish. Which Demas says can be found all along the East Coast, the Gulf, even down into the Caribbean but not in the Tennessee River. Uh, the spiny dogfish isn't recorded to have ever been found in freshwater. More than likely, this is a prank. And we noticed on the gill slits, on one of the gill slits, there was some area where it had been bleeding. Which suggests this guy didn't end up at Toluca Landing on its own. Sharks know 16 years on the Tennessee River. This is my first shark. Well, folks, those are my suspects. And of course, it could be some other large fish or animal. Or perhaps a grouping of animals that, at twilight, looked like one solid creature. But there is one tidbit of information I'd like to share with you before we move on. In researching Harrington Lake, I heard repeatedly that the lake is short on fish. The place is notorious for low populations of game fish. Just the sort of thing I would suspect if one of these apex predators were to take up shop there. Now, how long something like that can survive in the cooler Kentucky winters? Well, only the monster can answer that one. And so far, it ain't talking. So we do thank you, Lydia, for sharing your local monster story here with us. Now, if you too have a paranormal encounter you would like to tell us about, please call our hotline at 888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-NIGHT. Or record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to me at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now, this next entry involves another terrifying animal. A human being. That's assuming that's what... Robin in Florida even saw. Hi, Derek. This is Robin. I wanted to call you and give you a story that happened to me last summer. It was actually last July. And so I live in an area of Florida that's pretty rural. And in my neighborhood is really just a collection of farms. Um, I think that they have intentions of building stuff, um, neighborhoods on either side of our little collection of farms, but they haven't yet. And um, a county road runs right through the middle of it. And so it kind of divides it in half. And the county road has, is just a two-lane highway, and it's got like a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. And out of the entrance of my half of our neighborhood, there is a sidewalk that runs along this highway that's about a half mile long. And it's really, I call it the sidewalk to nowhere because it just has never had anything to connect to as of yet anyway. So I was jogging one day and I jogged down that sidewalk and I got to the end of it about a half mile down and turned around and was coming back. And on the left of me at this point is going to be the highway. And to the right of me is, is like a little bank of woods about 30 feet deep. It's mostly longleaf pine trees. And then it had been raining a lot. I mean, it's Florida. And so it was kind of swampy underneath there, but not a lot of underbrush. So I'm running back and I come around this, this small bend in the sidewalk. And all of a sudden I notice a man walking down the side of the highway. And it's strange because there's really nowhere to go. And he wasn't walking on the sidewalk. He was walking between the sidewalk and the highway. And there's really only about 30 feet of space there. So what really caught my attention was, again, it was July. And he was wearing dark jeans and a long sleeve red flannel shirt. He had a really long beard and really long hair, and he was probably 6'2", 6'3", so he was really tall. He was just a really big guy. He looked like a lumberjack, and he was walking in a, like a very strange way. Like It wasn't a very natural walk, kind of a very weird gait, and I was kind of trying to figure out like if he had something wrong with one of his legs, maybe? And that was causing him to walk strange. But anyway, the most menacing part, and he was menacing, especially to like a single girl, smallish, you know, running in this kind of wooded area. Um, he was carrying a stick. 
that was about as long as maybe a golf club, but it was about the size of a baseball bat. And it wasn't a baseball bat, but it was like a, it was a stick. So, or a branch, a a sawed off piece of a branch. And he was carrying it with two hands. And he just had this really very spooky, very kind of an evil grimace on his face. And honestly, I don't know if I've ever been so scared in my life. So I'm running towards him. There's not a whole lot of space between us. And I just took off as fast as I could. And I did something, my first instinct, because there was nowhere for me to go. The swamp was on the right. He and the highway were on the left. And my first instinct was to get on my smartwatch and act like I was talking to somebody and telling them where I was. (laughs) So I was talking on my smartwatch and I'm like, I'm on the the sidewalk to nowhere and I'm on my way home and and, uh, running as fast as I can while I'm doing this. So I get to be where I'm a good five strides past him. Let me say too, he never turned his head to look at me. He never raised his eyes. He kept them focused on the ground and he was just he was just the strangest being I'd ever seen. And when I got about five strides behind him, I really had felt just this terrible energy. I felt like for sure he was going to be behind me, especially with this stick. And I it was you know, just the whole thing was full of some really weird energy. And when I turned around, he was gone. He was nowhere to be found. He couldn't have gone to the right. There was a highway and then another bank of woods. I mean, I had only run five seconds past him. And to the left, I would have seen him through the pines. I mean, he had on a red flannel shirt and he wasn't, there was no way that big guy was going to be that fast and make it 50 yards um, in five seconds. So, oh, another thing, right when I got past him, and realized he was gone. I kind of stopped and did this twirl, like, you know, panicky, like, where did he go? How, how did this happen? And as I finally kind of gather myself and figure out that re- he really was gone, I turned around to continue to run home and fast as I could. This smell of cigar smoke hit me so hard. I, I It was almost as if somebody had blown the smoke in my face. And at that point, I was done. I was completely freaked out. There was no one around. There was no cars going by. There was nothing. This road has, you know, a car every two, three minutes. And there were no cars. There were no burning cigars. The guy who had walked by me didn't even have a cigar or a pipe or anything like that. So I was already freaked out. So I took off about a mile home as fast as I could. I got home. And um, at the end of the driveway was my husband and I was telling him the story of what had just happened and how freaked out I was and how this guy just like literally was so horribly creepy. And then he just disappeared. And I looked down on the ground and right there by my foot, I didn't see it when I got to the end of the driveway, was one of those plastic tips to like a Swisher Sweets cigar. And that I, I was done. So my husband and I were like, wow, that's really creepy, very strange, weirdest thing ever. So I went ahead, you know, no big deal, told the story, kind of really forgot about it, didn't repeat it. Um, I have two kids, and I certainly didn't tell them. I didn't want them to be freaked out, and I don't even think I told any friends or anything. I just kind of, like, let it go. So about two weeks later, my daughter starts virtual school since this was 2020. She was going to be starting the fifth grade. And so she's sitting at my desk one day, and I was going to run across the cul-de-sac where I am um, to a neighbor's house really quick because she was having a, um, a Zoom meeting with her teacher. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm just going to be gone for five minutes. And um, she's like, Mom, please don't go. Please don't leave. And I said, why? I'm just going across the, you know, across the street. I'll be right back. So I had to drop something off. And she said, I don't like it when you are not in the house lately. And I said, you know, why? What what was wrong? And she said, I feel like there's someone here with me. I feel like I hear footsteps. And I'm like, you know, honey, this house is fine. There's nobody in here. I'm the only one here with you. And she said, no, mom, I'm serious. I feel like there's somebody walking down the hallway and I feel like it's one of those Duck Dynasty guys. (laughs) And um, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but 
I immediately flashed to the lumberjack guy. And, well, he kind of did look like a Duck Dynasty guy with the beard and the... Anyway, so I thought that was super freaky. I didn't tell her how I felt or why I felt that way, but um, I stayed with her. I didn't leave her alone. And um, and I just thought I'd tell that story because I know you have like flannel people calling with flannel guy stories. And I, I thought that one would definitely fit. Still a mystery. Haven't figured it out. But anyway, I absolutely love the podcast and I get so excited when I see one come up on my feed. So keep them coming. Keep doing a great job. And um, thanks again. Thank you, Robin. Sounds like you had a run-in with the infamous Flannel Man. A mysterious human-esque figure that's always wearing red plaid. With a tendency to disappear. Now if this phenomenon piques your interest, I highly suggest you dig into the Strange Familiars podcast. I've linked to a collection of episodes that feature this frightening figure. So go to the show notes and check it out. Now, there's no telling what the flannel man might be, or what Robin saw that evening. But we do thank her for sharing the story here with us. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a lot. Stressful travel, worrying about gift-giving, loneliness, and a lot more that can weigh heavy on all of us this time of year. Now, I'm no stranger to the seasonal blues, and I want you to know that if you're suffering, you're not alone. Adding something new and positive to your life, like therapy, can help counteract some of those sad or anxious feelings. It can be something to look forward to, make you feel more grounded, and it could give you the tools you need to manage difficult emotions in the future. Now, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which makes it convenient, flexible, and affordable. And if for some reason you're not vibing with the therapist you're matched with, well, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash monsters among us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to this cow that died of mysterious circumstances. Now this next entry takes us to the state of Pennsylvania, where Anonymous is waiting with a story. Hi Derek, I'd like to remain anonymous, but I'll tell you where I'm from. I'm from northeastern central Pennsylvania. My boyfriend lives on the southern end of Luzerne County. Now I'm 18 and I've been hunting since I was 11. I've never been afraid of woods. I love to hunt, I love being in the woods, like I feel they're beautiful, and yada yada yada. Anyway, so when I met my boyfriend, and the first time going over to his house when I was meeting his parents, I felt a gut feeling, and my intuition is very good. I get that from my grandmother, Um, but like I feel like dark, heavy whenever I go over there. And we've been together for 10 months now, and I always go over every weekend spend time with him. And I just get this dark feeling, like, from the woods. Like, he's surrounded by woods. His house is surrounded by woods. There's constant deer trails and deer coming up through the woods. And this year, I'm going to hunt in his woods because he wants me to go hunting with him since this will be his first time hopefully getting a deer this year. And we were setting up the tree stands last weekend. And as we were going into the woods, I just like felt a pit in my stomach. And like, I was constantly looking around, like my nerves were shot. Like I always just feel dark and heavy. Then the sun was starting to go down and we went back up to the house. Then he left for work the next day. So this is Sunday. And I was staying at the house by myself. I heard talking in the house. Now where he's from, there's a lot of Native American towns, or like named Native American towns around where he's from. I know the legend of the skinwalker. I don't know if that's what I feel or if I feel 
something else, I'll definitely call back and let you know if anything happens while we're hunting. Because we will probably be heading out into the woods in the dark. So, yeah, I love your podcast. I started listening to it actually two days ago. I've been binge listening to it. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thanks, caller. Always trust your intuition. Not enough people do these days. And it can keep you out of some sticky situations. Now, most places back east have long, dark histories. Fights over land, disasters, plagues, a lot of tragedy. So it's not hard to imagine that much of that pain and suffering could have imprinted on the land, just like it's said to do in battlefields all across the planet. So perhaps that's what our caller felt. Maybe her intuition is just a little stronger than most, and that allowed her to absorb and register these bad vibes. Or maybe there was truly something terrifying in those woods. My suggestion here, caller, is do some digging on the property. Not literally, but historically. See if you can't find proof of some sort of engagement that took place there. That might help explain a few things. Until then, I'll keep my ears open for an update. And thanks again, caller, for sharing the entry. Now, folks, don't forget you can get all sorts of Monsters Among Us gear by visiting our shop at monstersamonguspodcast.com and by clicking the shop tab. And from now until November 15th, is our annual hooded sweatshirt pre-order. We have a few never-before-offered designs, and we're doing both the pullover and the zip-up hoodie. If that's something you're interested in, check out the show notes or visit the website. And we're also offering the top-secret Patreon-exclusive design in the hoodie as well. If you'd like to look into that one, just use the seven-day free trial over at patreon.com to learn more. Now, this next entry is about something strange in Georgia. Submitted by Hudson in Alabama. Hi, Derek. It's Hudson from Fruithurst, Alabama. I'm a pipe welder, so I travel all around. Like I said, I live in Fruithurst, but I'm actually working in Tifton, Georgia on a substation. Well, in construction, I mean, usually we get to work pretty early. I got here at probably 6.45 today. But I got there at about 6.30. Well, I'm sitting there listening to podcasts and listening to music. I can't really remember what I was listening to. It's kind of irrelevant. But as I'm sitting here, I see a flash out of the corner of my eye. Well, I look up at the tree line, which I'm guessing. I, I had no depth perception because it was so dark outside. I couldn't get an outline of anything, and I couldn't really... I didn't really have anything to go off of because it's pitch black. But this flashing thing, it's probably, it's like an orange color, but it's way brighter than an airplane. It was way too low to be an airplane. I'm not saying it wasn't a drone, but I mean, it's pitch dark outside. But this thing was very bright, and the tree line that I'm looking at is probably eight or 900 yards away, I would assume, maybe a little less than that. But I catch this thing going up at a 45 degree angle and it, when it was going up, I didn't see, but what I could guess was probably three-quarters of the whole incident. But this thing, I, it, I see it going up, and it takes probably a second and a half to get to it. But it's, it's very bright. It's orange. But it's going up at a 45-degree angle. It takes about a second and a half to get there. Well, it stopped midair. Well, about two seconds later, this thing shoots down at the ground. It probably another 45 degree angle it starts flying down way faster way faster than it went up i mean it was wild i've never really seen anything like that before really don't have anything other to base it off of than it was bright orange kind of flashing kind of going in and out not necessarily flashing but it was very strange figured you might be able to use it i really don't know if you can good if you don't i appreciate you letting me call it in Thanks, Hudson. So what do you suppose that was? A man-made craft of some sort? An occurrence of ball lightning? Or visitors from another time? 
or place. Or perhaps something off the wall that my twisted mind can't even comprehend. Whatever it was, we thank you, Hudson, for reporting it. And don't forget, the National UFO Reporting Center is a great resource if you've had one of these sightings. Report your own encounter or find similar ones to yours using their database. Just visit nufrc.org. Now folks, I'm not going to lie. This next entry is a little bit dark. Don't say I didn't warn you. Rebecca from Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hi, Derek. My name's Rebecca. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I had been living down in Texas with my former husband. He was in the Army and we were living at Fort Hood. It was shortly after the Fort Hood shootings of 2010. And that was just a really traumatic experience. And I said, let's go back home for a you know vacation just to visit family. So we took a road trip back up to Wisconsin, where we're both from. And we stopped in Fort Atkinson, which is where my aunt and uncle live. And they had been renting a house sort of on the outskirts of town. And it was a full house, private residence. And I remember they were so happy. They had moved in there. They had been living there at this point for about five years. Before I moved on to Texas, I remember they had been so ecstatic. That's when they first started renting the house. They got such a good deal on the house. It was, like I said, a full house and they got it for really cheap, like dirt cheap for the monthly rent payments. Even, you know, this was like 10 years ago. So even back then, this was really good actually 15 years ago, it was a really good deal. And I remember my uncle was just like, there has to be something wrong with this house for it to be so cheap. And I was just like, it's probably haunted. Ha ha ha. So fast forward back to 2010, we come up for vacation. At this point, I'd been down in Texas for a few years. So I hadn't really been in the house much, but I remember the house was so strange. It was always dark. It had a lot of windows and there were even skylights in the living room, but it would still always be so dark. And I remember we just stayed one day, one night at my aunt and uncle's house. And it was my aunt and uncle and their two kids, my two cousins that lived there. One of my cousins had his room in the basement. And then another one of my cousins had his room upstairs. And the way the hallway was set up, there was a bedroom on either end and then a bathroom in the middle. So that hallway was just really cold. I mean, it was freezing, but it was the middle of summer. I thought they had central air, you know, it was keeping it cold and, you know, that's how houses are. So we stayed there that night and I remember we stayed in my cousin's room and the entire night I heard who I thought was my uncle walking up and down the hallway. My uncle is a huge guy. I come from a long line of giants. I am 5'11". My dad is 6'7". This uncle is 6'7". His nickname was Jumbo. So, you know, that's what it sounded like. That's who it sounded like walking up and down the hall with my uncle. So I thought, okay, well, he can't sleep. He's pacing. And I felt really bad. Like, oh, I wonder why he can't sleep. So I, in the middle of the night, like two in the morning, I had to go to the bathroom. I was having such a hard time sleeping. I just could not get comfortable. I just did not feel comfortable. And so I get up to go to the bathroom. And even though I had heard my uncle or who I thought to be my uncle walking up and down the hallway just a moment before, when I walked out in the hallway, it was freezing cold. I could see my breath. That's how cold it was. And my uncle was not in the hallway. And I thought that was so weird. So I thought, okay, well, maybe he just went back to his room. So I used the bathroom. The whole time I'm in the bathroom, the hair on my whole body standing up. I just was, it felt so weird. And I go use the restroom, go back to bed. And as soon as I lay down, I hear the, what I thought was my uncle walking up and down the hall again. So the morning comes and at breakfast, I'm just like, oh, Uncle Tom, you obviously couldn't sleep last night. I heard you all night long. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he just started laughing. And he was like, uh, I slept like a baby. I didn't wake up at all. Um, and my aunt, she looks at me and she's like, no, we didn't get out of bed all night. And I said, well, who was walking up and down the hallway? 
Um, my cousin, whose room we were sleeping in, he was out of town, so he wasn't there. And then my other cousin, whose room was in the basement, he ended up sleeping at his girlfriend's house that night. So whoever's walking up and down the hall wasn't my uncle, wasn't my aunt, wasn't me or my ex-husband. And we were the only four there. And the whole incident was highly disconcerting, and I just thought it was so crazy. Fast forward to current times, uh, I want to say about three years ago, so this would be seven years after this incident, that incident occurred, I'm talking to my dad. And my dad, after my ex-husband and I had been there for that night, a couple years after that, my dad actually fell on hard times and ended up living with my aunt and uncle at that house and lived in my cousin's old room in the basement. And so I'm talking to my dad and I'm like, and I remember this story, this incident of, you know, when I thought Uncle Tom was walking up and down the hall, but then it wasn't. And I told my dad and my dad's like, oh, that house is haunted. And my dad does not believe in paranormal stuff. He is the biggest skeptic. He loves to tease me incessantly about my interests in the paranormal. So for him to say it and to say it in such a direct manner, I was caught off guard. And I looked at him and I'm like, what do you mean the house was haunted? And why didn't you ever tell me this? You know how I love this stuff. And he says, when I lived there and I was in the basement, I hated it. I hated it. I didn't like it. I would hear people talking in the basement all the time. He said, I would hear strange things. I would hear, he said, it seemed to be a mother and a son. And then they would talk to each other while he's laying there. He said, sometimes they would talk as if he's not there. Sometimes they would talk about him. And then there would be times when the son, he said, or the mother, but usually the son would come up and whisper in his ear and say weird things. And I mean, really weird. He said one of the things that this supposed ghost son would say is boat to the red light. What does that even mean? My children, when they were toddlers and learning to speak, made more sense than that. So, my, But I guess this really obsessed my dad. He ended up living there for about six months. He said he needed to stay longer because, you know, he was getting his finances back in order and getting himself back on his feet, but he couldn't stand being there. He hated it so much. And he said he, it started to obsess him, this boat to the red light thing that this ghost would whisper in his ear regularly. And he would search, he would do Google searches and he never could figure out what any of that meant. And to this day, it always really bothered him. Also, I should mention that my uncle ended up kind of descending into madness when he lived in this house. He no longer lived there. He and my aunt ended up moving to the town over in Jefferson. But up until that time, they had lived there for about 12 years in this haunted house. And during the entire time, both my aunt and my uncle became raging alcoholics. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I have, you know, been through recovery myself. They went from casual drinkers to constant everyday drinkers so much so that my uncle had to have a kidney transplant and my aunt ended up god rest her soul passed away a couple months ago from cirrhosis of the liver so um and also my uncle started having mental issues he is now a diagnosed schizophrenic and that all happened while they were living in this house and it's just crazy to me so but hopefully you can use some of this and i'm sorry for all the emotions but i really love your show and I look forward to listening more and I'm going to join your Patreon because I really appreciate this. Thanks, Derek. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Rebecca. I told you it was dark and sad and tragic and frankly, all too familiar. If you watch any of these drama-based ghost shows on the Sci-Fi Network or History Channel, discovery and half the time you have someone in those supposed haunted houses doing a 180 attitude wise you know, I've seen countless witnesses say well, he was a normal loving dad until we moved there or he was a monster anytime he was near that house and if those TV shows are to be believed it's almost as if whatever is inhabiting these haunted spaces gets hold of an individual and refuses to let go. 
Now, why such a thing would happen? I have no idea. Or how? I don't know that either. But if you ask Rebecca and her family, they'll tell you that it's 100% true. So thank you again, Rebecca, for sharing your story. It was obvious to me how difficult it was for you to recount parts of it. So thank you for your bravery. Hey, did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the biggest impacts on your sleep quality? If you find yourself constantly waking up too hot or too cold, check out Miracle Made Bed Sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics to make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. The silver-infused sheets also have another purpose, and it's not repelling vampires, although that is an added bonus. They prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, which means they stay fresh three times longer than other sheets. And they're much better for your skin. Now these sheets are super comfortable, without the high price tag of other luxury brands. And they make the perfect holiday gift. So head on over to trymiracle.com forward slash monster to check out the special deal for our listeners. Right now you can save 40% and if you use the promo monsters at checkout, you'll get three free towels and get an extra 20% off your order. Miracle is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com forward slash monster and use code monster for three free towels and over 40% off in savings. Again, that's trymiracle.com forward slash monster to treat yourself or a loved one this holiday season. Okay, you thought that was weird. Well, you ain't heard nothing yet. To push our paranormal parameters just a little bit further, please welcome Sean from Illinois. Hi, this is Sean. I'm from Illinois. So, God, I'm a sighting probably 13, 14 years ago now. In uh, Cary, Illinois, there's a place called Cuba Road that has always been thought to have all sorts of hauntings and things like that. And you're supposedly able to see, you know, orbs and stuff like that. I've never experienced any of that. But my buddy and I from back then used to always drive up and down that road hoping we'd see something weird and stuff like that. And, you know, we thought we saw orbs and it was just the reflection off of the fencing uh, of our headlights. So it was nothing. And, you know, we all kind of laughed about it and stuff like that. And then one night we were driving there and we weren't even near it. We had to be maybe a mile, half mile away from that region. And we are coming down a dark road and hit a stop sign. And there's a car coming at us from the other direction. And then out of nowhere, we see geometric outlines, you know, squares, circles, triangles, stuff like that. Just the outlines and like a neon green circling around this car. And then it just vanished. Now, my friend and I both just sat there and then kind of looked at each other and said, did you see that? And yeah, we both saw that. And the weird thing was that there was only one other way it could turn. You know, it was a stop sign and you could turn east. That was it. And we saw the car clearly, and then bam, it was gone. No lights turning off, anything like that just vanished. Anyway, yeah, we went there thinking we were going to see ghosts, and instead, I'm not really sure what it was, if it was an extraterrestrial encounter, anything like that. But uh, I've never really encountered anything like it since, and I've never even heard anything like that. But yeah, 14 years ago, and I still can see it clear as day in my head. Anyway, love the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Now, we've covered Cuba Road several times on past Hometown Legends episodes. But for those unfamiliar, this is what AmericanHauntingsInc.com has to say on the location. A secluded roadway near Barrington called Cuba Road has gained a rather strange reputation in recent years. Along the roadway is a small graveyard called White Cemetery which is located just east of Old Barrington Road. For many years, it has been reportedly haunted by eerie white globes of light that have been seen to hover and float among the tombstones. Witnesses to these anomalies have ranged from teenagers to average passerby, 
many of whom have gone to the local police and have described not only the glowing lights, but hazy figures too. The lights are said to sometimes float along through the cemetery, drift over the fence and then glide out over the surface of the road. The hazy human-like figures have been spotted along the edge of the fence and lingering near the stands of trees. Most of the stories though seem to involve Cuba Road itself. The tales involve a phantom black automobile that appears near the cemetery and an old house that is seen and then vanishes nearby. Some of the sightings also involve a spectral old woman that carries a lantern and flags down passing motorists. When someone stops and tries to help her, she disappears along the edge of the roadway. So you know, just your typical roadway haunting. Now I did some digging around, however no mention of neon shapes in any of the literature I perused. Either way, we thank you, Sean for taking the time to call in. Something tells me that's not the last we'll hear of old Cuba Road. Now folks, the holidays are coming up and all I want are your reviews. Please take a moment to rate and review your favorite paranormal podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else they let you do that sort of thing. A five-star review and a few kind words goes a long way to expand the reach of this program. It allows us to cast a larger net for me to catch and collect these first-hand accounts. The circle of life, if you will. So think of me this holiday season. In return, I'll continue to hook you up with strange, unusual, and terrifying stories. Just like tonight's closer. But before we roll that call, a little history lesson. For it was 57 years ago this very week that a legend was born a West Virginian folkloric staple, and one of the most popular cryptids, this side of Sasquatch, the infamous Mothman. Point Pleasant, West Virginia, November 15th, 1966. Two young couples were driving down a dark road outside of town. As they passed by an old building, they were startled by a frightening sight. They claim to have seen a large uh, winged creature, six to seven foot tall, gray in color, and two large red eyes. They said this creature flew over their car and followed them back into town. That was the beginning of the Mothman sightings. The young couple's harrowing account was picked up by the local press and incited panic across town. The legend of the Mothman was born. Now that clip courtesy of ancient aliens. Now, with that crash course behind us, please welcome Luke from the state of Florida. Hello, Derek. My name is Luke. I love the show, man, and just started listening to it not so long ago. Me and my wife found it through TikTok, and it has just been amazing. So as listening, uh, I've been just like everybody else and wanted to call in and tell you a little quick little story. I have a couple more for you, but I wanted to get this one in real quick. So this starts back in 2016. I'm a resident of Florida, but I have some family up there in Point Pleasant or around the area. And I went up to West Virginia about a couple years ago, 2016, to go and visit some family. So I went up there, this would be my first time in Point Pleasant, never been ever before, and this is my first time hearing of the legend Mothman when I went up there. Me, my mother, and my uncle, we are going to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And we are gonna go and see this phenomena of the Mothman and go see where it took place and see the statue and go and check it out. Now mind you, we like to do things late at night, especially when it has to do the paranormal, especially when I'm with my family. I have a little bit of a good sense of touch with the other side, um, as my family says. Um, I kind of have a gift, per se, as a lot of people have said. So besides the fact, we made our way into West Virginia, and it was very, very spooky night. It was very, very cloudy in 2016. It was just a nasty night. It just got done raiding the night before, and we wanted to do something. So as we were walking around, um, I went and read about the TNT area and everything that happened. 
and all the cool stuff. And I'm making my way down this little walkway where all these battles took place where uh, the Native Americans were. And I was hearing lots and lots of ghost talking and movement. Very, very abnormal, paranormal stuff. Lots of activity around that area. So as I was making my way throughout that area, I wanted to go and look at, there's this little tiny, almost like room-ish spot. And I went inside of it, and I guess this is where the TNT area was. I looked around and started looking around. There's a bunch of bats up top. And I hooted up top, and all these bats came pouring out of this TNT area. Felt like I was almost in a Batman movie. It was quite spectacular. Make the long story short, I ended up kind of like getting a little spooked by that. So I turned around, I went to go and face my mom and my uncle. And I was like, hey guys, you know, like, look where I am. You know, there's nothing to be scared of. And literally as I said that, I hear uh, like, boom, right behind me. And I can feel this thing breathing down my neck. Like still to this day, I can still feel the hairs on my spine come up. It is the scariest situation that I ever was in. I never even turned around and looked back at that, whatever it was. And I took off running in a panic. I was so scared. And mind you, I just got out of high school, so obviously there's no drugs or alcohol involved with this story. Fast forward about two, three months later, and I completely forgot about West Virginia, Point Pleasant, and the Mothman situation. Well, I'm back home in Florida, and I have a very, very big barn that I live in. And I was walking through the barn, just got done feeding and taking care of the horses. And there was kind of a light rainstorm coming through that night. And I was going down at each end of the barn to make sure all the horses were good and closing up the end of the barn. Now I was making my way to the west side of the barn. And as I was walking towards the west side of the barn, I noticed my like vision and kind of like an eerie kind of sound. It was really like ear piercing, kind of was freaking me out a little bit. And I was walking to the other end and I kind of like, it was so bad to the point where so it was like, wee, like this really, really high pitched scream. And I couldn't get it to stop. And I was like looking around, trying to figure out where it's coming from. And all of a sudden again, at the other end of the barn, I actually see him this time. And that's again, <clears throat> boom, he falls to the ground right off the top of the barn onto where I was just, about to close up the end of the barn. And he's standing there staring, looking at me. There's big, giant, glowing red eyes. And he pulls out his wings, develops this big, giant, like, wingspan that I couldn't even think. And he looks at me, and that's when my vision starts to get all scattered and gets all messed up. And that's when he looked up at the sky, and boom, took off, was gone in an instant and then that's when the hurricane hit about the next week thank you so much Derek I really appreciate the podcast me and my wife we love it and I wish you and Sarah the best and I hope you have a great day thank you bye thanks Luke it predicted a deadly hurricane that's so mothman Now back to 1966. After the initial Mothman sighting, the town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, lost their collective minds. People reported seeing the creature dozens of times throughout the city. UFOs were sighted in the area. Strange poltergeist-like activity was reported, and mysterious and threatening men in black began to harass town folk. And it all ended in tragedy when 13 months later the town's bridge to the Ohio side of the river collapsed, killing 47 people. See the Mothman as a thing for premonition. And I think I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking it too. But Luke's experience, at least the portion that occurred back home in Florida, seemed like something straight out of a film or a movie didn't seem realistic. We're really supposed to believe that the creature just showed up and shot into the air. Just like that. 
Well, I can't speak toward the validity of Luke's entry, but I can confirm that this creature is said to do that very thing, as evidenced by this clip from the 2002 documentary, In Search of Mothman. Her eyes, the first thing I seen was swollen and red, and water was coming out of them. Keith Aker was 17-year-old Connie Carpenter's boyfriend at the time and soon-to-be husband. Connie herself is still, even today, too frightened to come forward and tell her story, so Keith agreed to set the record straight. I'd like people just to understand that I'm here to make sure that they don't think that she's a kook because she's not. And what she has said she's seen, she has actually seen. Still in high school, Connie was driving home when she saw something unusual on the side of the road. I don't know what caught her attention, whether it was a shadow or what, but she said she looked and slowed down, and here it was. Wings come out, and it went straight up. And she said it hit it right for me. She said all I could see was the red eyes. I went to the house that night, and her mom met me at the door and said she's in bed. She didn't want to come out of her bedroom. Those eyes, that's all she'd ever say was those eyes. Now, this isn't the only report out there describing the creature as leaping straight into the air with a thunderous flap of its wings. And maybe it's nothing, but the Mothman is certainly something. With local tours, a museum, and even a yearly festival, it seems like Mothman is there to stay. So we thank you again, Luke, for taking the time to share the entry. We don't get a lot of Mothman reports around here, but they do come in from time to time. And Luke, I'll tell you the same thing that I think I told the others. Let's hope that that's the one and only time you ever see this thing. Because when it's around, bad things are never far behind. And that's going to do it for this evening. A big thanks for hanging out with us here tonight. And another huge favor if you don't mind, please share the show with a friend or family member. Get them introduced. Get them hooked. We need all the support we can get. Now Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Grow Media. Additional support was provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And please follow us over at our social media pages. We have accounts at Instagram and Facebook. While you're at it, remember to rate and review the show wherever possible. And give us a like and follow at YouTube since you're online. Don't forget you can catch us on Internet Radio, the UnX Network, Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern, and Sundown 96.6, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. We certainly appreciate those guys for hosting. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Armchair Ambiance, Co.AG Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. It's getting dark awfully early out there, folks. So it never hurts to remember to look away and walk away should you encounter a few strange beings. Have a good night. This evening's secret story comes to us from Masha, from Parts Unknown. Hi, Derek. This is Masha. I was listening to one of the episodes about the alien abductions and scars left behind. And uh, I remember that I've, for the longest time, wanted to share this. It's a very small tidbit. 
Ever since I was little, I have these two identical, symmetrical scars on both of my arms, my forearms. And I'm also sending an email as I'm recording this message. Nobody knows where these scars are from. They're very small. I'd say they're about one centimeter long. And uh, I've never had any operations on my forearms. And they are nowhere near the veins. Or even if I was little and, you know, my skin stretched and uh, it moved, it's still, they would never have been close to the veins if I needed to have, you know, maybe... I don't know if I had any operation. I don't know why there would be a scar. So anyways, I'm hoping that maybe some of your listeners are doctors and they could look at these scars and say, oh yes, these are incision scars. I don't know, they're mysterious. Nobody knows where they came from. My mom swears by that the scars weren't there when I was little, so I've had them. And um, I'm the person who had one or two encounters just seeing UFO and my mom had seen a lot of UFOs that were cleaning up after Chernobyl. So I really don't know where the scars are from. Maybe somebody will recognize them. Maybe they have similar ones. Thank you. Thank you, Masha. Now, true to her word, Masha did send in a few photos showing similar-looking scars on each of her arms. To be frank, I have similar scars in similar places. But I have a rowdy backyard football game and a barbed wire fence to blame for mine. The origin of Masha's mysterious scars is, well, much more mysterious. So hit up those show notes at monstersamonguspodcast.com and have a look for yourself. Tell me what you think. Let's see if we can collect an answer or two for Masha. Well, folks, this is where I leave most of you. If you're a supporter of the Beyond over at Patreon... I'll catch you on the other side. The rest of you, come join me for free. Just visit patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Join our $5 level and get instant access to the rest of this episode and our entire back catalog of bonus content. And like I said, those first seven days are on us. Well, not us, but they're on someone. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast or click the Patreon tab over at the website. The $5 level gets you tons of bonus content. The $1 level gets you tons of ad-free content. And any level goes a long way to help the show. And of course, it's where you get to hear stories like this one from James over in Texas. Hey, what's up, Derek? This is James from Texas. And I was just listening to the last episode... And you were talking about the feral people. Well, this is, I guess, a rebuttal or maybe a supporting call, whatever, whichever you want to look at it as. But uh, as a...